All right. Philemon. Let's open with a word of prayer. We'll dig into the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And Lord, we're thankful that you wrote it down for us. You give us the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. And I pray, Lord, that we would apply what we learned today about forgiveness. So many of us, no doubt, have people we need to forgive and people that we need to ask for forgiveness. I pray we would learn that from this morning's text. I pray, Lord, we leave here more in love with you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. All right, so we'll take a few minutes to give you a little background on Philemon, then we'll get into the text. So Philemon is one of the four prison epistles. So they were written by the Apostle Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome. And one of the reasons Paul could write these letters, see, the Apostle Paul that everywhere he went, he started a revival or a riot. So he was either running toward people or running from them, one or the other. And so the Apostle Paul, God, you wonder, why would God allow the Apostle Paul, the, the greatest evangelist, we could say, outside of Jesus himself, maybe that's ever lived, he spent so many years in prison. And why would God allow a man who could be used so mightily by God to sit in prison? And I think he, he did it so that we could have the book of Philemon, amen? So we could have Galatians and Colossians and Ephesians because all those were written when he was in prison. And so praise God for that. But you're going to see as you read the prison epistles, he rarely even mentions that he's in prison. He'll let us know that he's there, but he's not looking for, he's not crying out. He's not moaning. He's not complaining. And boy, I've complained about far less than being in prison. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to learn from his example. And so it was written about 62 AD, which is only about 30 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. So this is early on in the church, but it's amazing. It didn't take very long for the church to get off track. And the reason that it does is it's got people in them. Can I get an amen to that? Here's the reality. There are no perfect churches because they all got people. And if you found a perfect church, when you showed up, you'd ruin it. So I got to get an amen to that. So the reality is that there are no perfect churches. That's why we have a perfect savior. Amen. And that's why we desire to be obedient to his word. And we, we, we study the whole counsel of God and we don't skip over anything. Amen. So each Pauline epistle was written to help the church get back on track. Let me just give you real quickly what each one of them pointed to, because I think we need to hear it again. Galatians was written to re refute the false gospel of works. So you had, to, you had to do a lot of stuff to get saved. Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. And it still goes on today. You gotta have your first holy communion. You gotta have your, you gotta, you know, you gotta be confirmed. You gotta do this. You gotta be baptized in our baptismal, you know, by our pastors. You gotta go through this training class. You gotta add to this, add to that. And in those days, they're adding circumcision and other good works. So Jesus plus something. Guys, it's never Jesus plus something. It's always Jesus plus nothing nothing equals salvation. Amen. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say there's a good start. Can I get an amen to that? He didn't say that's step one of 20. He said, it's finished, paid in full. So guys, when we add to the cross of Calvary, we are rejecting what Jesus did on the cross and we must never do that. We're justified by faith, not by works. In Ephesians, it was written to the believers who are continuing to walk in spiritual immaturity. Again, a continued epidemic in the church today. A lot of people, I'm a Christian. I got a get out of hell free card in my wallet. I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer. And if you walked, followed me around Monday through Saturday, no one would ever know I'm saved. 
Guys, if your friends don't know you're saved, you need to get out of the closet for Jesus. Can I get an amen for that? You need to stand up and be living the life that honors and glorifies his name. People should be around you for five minutes to know something's different because something is different. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins, and now we're alive in Christ, and we're filled with the spirit of the living God. Amen? And that should be evident to all people. But there was spiritual immaturity. They were rich spiritually, yet they were living like paupers. It's in Ephesians where it tells us that we're blessed and chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured, to be given a down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. He talks about all our riches in Christ. And sadly, so many people who are, who are rich in Christ, anybody who's born again is rich in Christ, yet we live like spiritual paupers. Then, along with Galatians and Ephesians, all these were written uh, while he was in prison. He wrote Philippians. And he read to, wrote to correct the problem of, of disunity in the church. He urged the believers to imitate Jesus in humility and in the heart with the heart of a servant. Philippians is also known as the, epo- the epistle of joy, the letter of joy. Joy is in that short letter, uh, I think it's 37 times. Now, Colossians is where... Philemon lives, who this letter is being written to. And this letter is going to be written to Philemon, and we're going to see that Philemon is a godly man. Philemon is a wealthy man because he's hosting the church in his house. Philemon is a man who owns a lot of servants. And again, uh, there were slaves. And one of his slaves, a guy by the name of, of Onesimus, had escaped. And a price of a slave in those days was about a year and a half's wages for a normal laborer. Now we all struggle with the term slavery, but in those days, here's what would happen. You'd get in debt. You couldn't pay the debt. So you'd you'd be enslaved to the person you were indebted to till you could pay it back. So it's usually, it wasn't because they're going around buying you necessarily, but it was because you were indebted and so you had to pay it back. And so when a slave would leave, the penalty was if they caught him, they could be put to death. So The three people we're going to see in this morning's text, we're going to see the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter to Philemon, who he led to the Lord when he was in Colossae. So Philemon looks at Paul as his father in the faith, as the pastor that led him to the Lord. We know that Philemon is a godly man. He hosts the church in his house, and his son is the pastor of the church. So this is a godly man. But this is a godly man who had one of his servants, one of his slaves, run away. Now, we're going to see in this morning's text that when Onesimus is on the run, he runs all the way to Rome to try to blend into the crowd, and he runs into this guy named Paul. Is that a divine appointment? Can I get an amen? You're trying to run, and you run into Paul, and then Paul shares Jesus with him. Onesimus gets saved. Now he's born again, but he's still on the run as a slave. And now the question is, but if I go back, I could be put to death. And that's who I used to be, so I'm a Christian now, so I can let that go and I'll just stay here. And Paul would have loved for him to stay. But we're going to see Paul telling him he needs to go back. Because here's the reality. Even when we're born again, our sins are forgiven, but the consequences of our sin remain. Can I get an amen to that? So we, we're forgiven by God. He's a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west, but he does not remove all the consequences. If I committed adultery, I would cease to be the pastor of this church. You might all forgive me. My wife may forgive me. But in the end, the consequence would be I wouldn't be in ministry anymore. I may, just, may lose my marriage. I wouldn't lose everybody's, the way they feel about me. Whenever they heard my name, they would say, that's the pastor who committed adultery. And God would forgive me. 
But when you say King David, you think of two things of King David. He, he slayed a giant and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Is that not the truth? And so the reality is that even when God forgives us, the consequences remain. And this is why you don't listen to Satan when he whispers in your ear and says, go ahead and do it because you know God will forgive you. Anybody hear that whispered in their ear besides me? He does that, right? Go ahead and do it. You know, God will, you know God will forgive you. He already, he already forgave you. He already paid for it. You can just ask for forgiveness later. And he will forgive you, but the sin remains. I mean, the consequences of the sin remains. Amen? So this is the situation we're going to be looking at this morning as we look at this letter written by Paul to Philemon. So Paul's the one writing the letter. Onesimus has gotten saved, but he's a runaway slave. And Philemon is a godly man who does the right thing, but now that's going to be put to the test in this morning's text when he finds out that this slave who ran off, who still owed him money, who had, may have thought, made the other servants think they could run away too, he finds out he's gotten saved and Paul's going to exhort him to show this man forgiveness. By the way, forgiveness would be easy if the people hadn't hurt you. Can I get an amen? That's why you have to forgive because there's some pain in there somewhere. You have to forgive them because they betrayed you or they hurt from you, they hurt you or they stole from you or they said bad things about you, whatever it may be. And as Christians, we need to be people who have hearts to forgive. In Colossians, the letter that he wrote to this church, uh, Paul used the word Christ 26 times and Lord seven times in four short chapters. And so he's, he's pointing them back to the Lord, pointing them back to the Lord. Philemon's the one who hosted in his home. And now we're going to see that Philemon, again, he lives in Colossae. He's a believer in the Lord. He hosts a church in his house. He's a wealthy man. This godly man and leader in Colossae is going to have his faith put to the test. You've heard me say this before. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? It's easy to say, I have faith in Jesus when there's money in the bank, all the kids are walking with God and everybody's healthy. But it's another thing to say, I trust God when everything from the world's perspective falls apart. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, Job said. Job, Job also said, as he was sitting on an ash heap, after all of his children were dead, all his wealth was gone, and, and Satan left his wife for a reason. Can I get an amen to that? And she's over there saying, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job said, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? See, again, a faith is a true faith is revealed by how we respond when things are difficult. Amen. And joy has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with your walk with the Lord. So as Christians today, we learn and can learn so much from this short Holy Spirit inspired letter written nearly 2000 years ago. It addresses again, a huge problem in the church, understanding and applying biblical forgiveness. So if you have your outline, you should have one. If you don't, they're on the back table. Let me go over the outline with you and then we'll dig into the text. I know that I know my notes well when I just covered them all without looking at them. That's a God thing. Can I get an amen? All right. So I tell them the message, forgiving others as Christ forgave you. How much has the Lord forgiven us? Everything. Can I get an amen to that? Any for, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for you because you're good. He died for you because he's good. Amen. And he knows we're sinners in desperate need of a savior. 
And he knows you best and he loves you most. He knows every wicked vile thing you've ever thought or done, things that nobody else on this planet knows. He knows all of it. He knows the stuff you're gonna do and yet he still loves you. What a gracious God. So he has forgiven our sins so we are to forgive others as Christ forgave us. But here's what happens when I counsel people, they need to go forgive somebody. Yeah, but you don't understand. Everybody's got a loophole for why they don't need to forgive. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, if you, if you knew my old man, if you knew this, if you knew the Michael boss, if you knew, you know, God says forgive, but he didn't know this guy. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is we forgive others as Christ forgave us. Paul's example in this text is a clear picture of Christ and all he has done to make forgiveness possible. Number one, here's how you forgive others as Christ forgave you. Focus on others, not yourself. Amen? It's not about you. Can I get an amen to that? You've heard me talk about joy, Jesus, others, yourself. That's how you have joy. And you hear me say it all the time, most of us have yoge. Can I get an amen? Because <laughs> it's yourself. It's all about me. The, the, the word of the year in 2017 was selfie, right? It's all about, let me, let me take 57 pictures of me. Nobody cares. Can I get an amen? Nobody cares. They're all thinking about themselves. And they really don't care what you had for breakfast either. Can I get an amen? But it's always about us. And we think we're the star of the show. We, guys, it's not about us. It's about him. To him alone be all the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen? So the first thing we need to do to forgive others as Christ forgave us, focus on others, not yourself. Number two, encourage the faithful. You know, we always pray for the people that are struggling, and we should. But you know what we need to do? We need to pray for the people that are doing well. Can I get an amen to that? The people that are doing, pray that they will continue to do well. Pray that they will continue to honor God. Pray that they will continue to be used for the Lord, by the Lord and for his kingdom. Thirdly, intercede on behalf of those who have repented. Intercede on behalf of those who have repented. We need to intercede for people. Take some of the time and get your eyes off of yourself and focus on praying for others. We're going to be doing a new church directory. I encourage you to get your picture in it because I go through that every week and I pray for everyone in it. So if you don't want to be prayed for, don't get your picture taken. Okay? But just get, if we go through and we pray for everybody. Why? Because prayer is important. The greatest thing, the greatest gift people can give me, there's a, by, by the way, there's a man on, that listens on, to us on the radio every week. I share this every once in a while. His name's Greg. He calls me. We talk on the hour for two hours at a time. And he always says, thank the people in your church for giving because there's a blind man in Ventura that gets to listen to the word of God taught every day. And he's as much a part of this fellowship as anybody that's ever been here. He's been listening to us on the radio for six or seven years. And I love his heart because the thing he tells me every time is he says, Pastor Dave, I pray for you every single day. And I pray for the church that you pastor every single day. That's the greatest gift anybody can give me. Can I get an amen to that? And let's be praying for one another. And then finally, be willing to pay the price to bring about restoration and forgiveness. Guys, forgiveness is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. What it's mainly going to cost you is your pride. Can I get an amen to that? You know why we don't call people? Because we're, well, I'll wait till they call. And the other person's doing the same thing. And then you just go the rest of your life without talking to each other. And that's what should not be happening when it, with, in the life of a born again believer. Can I get an amen to that? So let's begin there looking at, here's the outline. I just did all that off the top of my head. That wasn't too bad, was it? I still don't have an outline up here. It's, oh, wait, I found it. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's begin there in verse one, looking at focusing on others, not ourselves. Forgive others as Christ forgave you. Paul, 
a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Every time we look at an epistle, I remind you that they were written on scrolls. We always put our name at the end of our letters. They always put their name at the beginning because when they would open up the scroll, they'd want to see who it was from. They wouldn't have to unro- you know, pull the thing all the way down. And then they would, right after that, say who they were writing to. Now, one of the things I love about Paul here is that can you imagine when Philemon gets this letter delivered, hand-delivered to him, and when it's delivered to him, he opens it up, and the first thing he sees is that it's from Paul. It's from his father in the faith. It's from the man who led him to the Lord. It's from the man that he looks at as an example of what a Christian is to be. And he's a spiritually mature man. Whenever I read stuff like this, it'd be like, it'd be like when Pastor Chuck was still alive, I got a letter from Pastor Chuck. If I got a letter from, from the pastors that have ministered to me and discipled me. And again, all letters are important, but that letter is going to take some precedence. It's going to be like, wow, okay, I need to hear this. I need, I'm, and I'm ready for it. I'm hungry to hear what he has to say. So he introduces himself first, but notice he says here, he does, it, does he say a prisoner of Rome? What does he say? A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Because guys, Rome could not hold him unless God allowed him to be there. Can I get an Amen. Nothing can happen to us unless it goes through the hands of God first. And if you're in prison, in his case, not because he broke the law, but because he was preaching the gospel, he recognizes he's a prisoner of Christ, not of Rome. Now, there's two ways you can get to jail. You can break the law, and then that's your fault. That's a consequence of sin. Can I get an amen to that? And God can still use you. But in this case, I I doubt there's anybody that we know you know, I know some in India, when I go to India and teach, that are in prison because they preach the gospel. Oh, that, that, although that could be happening soon enough. Amen. It's getting close. I thought it might go a few times when the police showed up over at VOS. But here's the reality. The reality is being a prisoner of Christ is the best place to be. Amen. And I, I, again, as I said, I believe God did this in Paul's life to slow him down so he could write these letters so 2,000 years later we could be studying it. Can I get an amen to that? And too often, we're so busy about it, God will do things to slow us down. Uh, God let me have COVID for four weeks. That slowed me down. Spent a lot of time reading and praying when you're, when you're not running what mock two with your hair on fire. Can I get an amen to that? So he's a prisoner of Christ, put under house arrest in Rome. He doesn't identify himself as a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of the Lord. You know, Paul sees things from an eternal perspective. And the reason that we get upset and angry and fearful and anxious and worried is because we're looking at things from a temporary perspective instead of an eternal one. I've not been scared of COVID one bit because you can't threaten me with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? Absent from the body, present with the Lord, and most people who get COVID, 99.9% of them don't die of it. We, want, we need to take it serious. If you have an underlying condition, you want to stay home, God bless you. I'm glad we have Zoom. But we should not operate in fear. We talked about this in Titus 2. They were feeding Christians to lions. And, Ty, and Timothy told him, or uh, Paul told him, keep having church. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> keep having church. They were setting Christians on fire, covering them in pitch and setting them on fire. He didn't say, go hide till it's over. I'm tired of Christians hiding. Can I get an amen to that? We need to be unashamed of the gospel. Jesus made a stand for us. We need to stand up for him. Amen. So Paul's not in prison because he had broken the law, but because he had faithfully preached the gospel. And again, praise God that in the midst of it, he's not whining and complaining. He's not mad at God. He's not crying out for someone to rescue him. He's being faithful right where he's at. We see throughout the, Paul's in prison a lot. And what does he do? He's leading Roman guards to the, to the Lord. People are getting saved in prison. 
If they arrest all the pastors in California, we'll have an amazing Bible study. Can I get an amen? So the reality is that God, no suffering is wasted. God uses it for his glory. He's not held there by Roman guards, but because God who is in control placed him there. It's all part of God's plan. Just remember that when you're going through a trial, you don't understand. God is faithful. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him. Can I get an amen to that? So Paul's life produced those four prison epistles, and you and I are blessed today because Paul spent time in prison. It says, and Timothy, our brother, Paul's son in the faith. We, if you were here just a few months ago, we went through First and Second Timothy before uh, Titus. And Paul's, you know, Paul's ministry was a team operation. Paul included and in, in names those who are working alongside him as co-laborers in ministry. Let me say this, Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. Christianity, I got a text today. I got two texts today from people that are home watching on live stream that wish they could be here because they're caregivers or whatever, they can't be here. And they miss fellowship. We are not to worship Jesus in a cave somewhere. Can I get an amen? God, can, you come here, not just so you can be ministered to, but so you can minister to others. Forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches, which means we should be gathering more and more, not less and less. Amen? And the reality is, again, uh, my doctor's in the front row. She'll, I'm, I'm, she's here. I'm here. We're having church. We're not afraid. Can I get an amen to that? God's in control. It says, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow brother. The word Philemon actually means affectionate or one who is kind. It's a great name. One who is kind. And it says, beloved friend and fellow laborer. What a great description, especially coming from a godly man like the Apostle Paul. We talked about this on Thursday. By the way, come on Thursdays, we're inside, it's warmer. Can I get an amen? We'll meet over there in the cafe because we have less people. And we're going through 1 Kings. And we talked about, you know, that the way that the, the, the kings were described by God was usually in one sentence. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Or he did good and was faithful in the sight of the Lord. If there was one sentence said about you at the end of your life, what would it say? I'll tell you what, there's only one sentence I want to hear when I'm done here. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And guys, the way we live our life, we think it's all about the five million things that we do. But when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And the way that he describes Philemon is he is a fellow laborer and a beloved brother. Christianity, when we become Christians... We do have good works if we're truly saved. Again, it's not faith plus works or faith or works. It's faith that works. Amen? Salvation does not come through good works, but good works are fruit of salvation. So Philemon is a beloved friend. Paul had led him to the Lord, and he was a leader in the church in Colossae. The church was in his home, and he was an example for others to follow. It says, to beloved Aphia, Aphia is Philemon's wife. So she too is involved in the ministry. Paul knew her well and no doubt led her to the Lord when he led Philemon to the Lord. And then it says, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Archippus was a full-time minister on the front line, probably had assumed the role of pastor after the departure of Epaphras. And again, he's believed to be the son of Philemon. So he greets his family. They all love God. They're all serving the Lord. They're all being faithful in their walk with the Lord. And so a lot of times we read books in the Bible and it's going after the person who's failing. 
And, you know, he's talking to the one who's not walking with the Lord. He's walking to the false teachers. But in this case, he's writing to a man who's spiritually mature, who's doing well. But even that man needs to be exhorted sometimes. Can I get an amen to that? Even that woman who's doing well with the Lord. That's why we never finish reading the Bible. Amen? In fact, Christians tell me, I've read it. Well, you didn't understand or you'd still be reading it. Can I get an amen to that? You'd be reading it again, bro. This isn't Moby Dick, right? I mean, this is the Bible, right? It's a, it's a living, breathing word of God. We'd read it again and again. It's the only book where the author loves the reader, amen? So he has this church in his house. He's got the gift of giving and hospitality. And again, he's fruit of Paul's ministry. Then he says, grace to you from peace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time we look at the greeting, I tell you what it means, because remember last week it said, remind them. So I got to remind you. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to be reminded. The word grace there is charis. It's a Gentile greeting. uh, And it means, again, grace. You know, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then shalom, grace and peace. Shalom is the Jewish greeting. But it's always grace and peace. Why? Because without God's grace, there will never be any peace. If you're looking for peace in money, if you're looking for peace in success, if you're looking for peace in a relationship, if you're looking for peace by having the right person in the White House, if you're looking for peace any other way, you'll never have it because peace can only come with right standing with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen? And it comes by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. So it's grace and peace. And what an amazing greeting that is. How much peace would you have if you had a relationship with God based on works? You'd always feel like you've fallen short. That's why all the cults are knocking on your door on Saturday mornings because they're trying to earn heaven. Amen. By the way, we should be willing to do more for the truth than the cultist does for a lie. Can I get an amen to that? So grace is love given at a cost. It's another definition of grace. It's love given at a cost. To truly have agape, selfless love, means it's going to cost you something. I've been a pastor for, it'll be 30, 33 years. I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And when people are on the verge of getting divorced, especially when they both consider themselves to be believers, they've lost sight of what agape is. Agape is loving someone outside of yourself more than yourself. It's a love that doesn't take. It's a love that eros takes. It's where you get the word erotic. It's, it's, a, it's a lust. It's give me, give me, give me. You stop giving, I get rid of you. Agape gives. And agape gives not because the other person's worth it. It doesn't give because the other person's perfect. It gives because it loves the other person more than it loves itself. Can I get an amen to that? For God so loved the world that he agaped. Amen? And so that's the exhortation of grace is showing that agape love toward others, loving others the way Christ loves us. Now, Paul is in prison but the focus of his greeting, he does, does he say anywhere in here, who's coming to get me out? Have you guys raised the bail money yet? Hey, it's freezing over here. Someone's hooked me up, hooked me up with some clothes to wear and I need some good food. You don't see him doing any of that because he has his focus not on himself, but on others and praise God for that. So point number one, forgive others as Christ forgave you. How do you do that? Focus on others, not ourselves. Amen. Take the focus off of us. The person you haven't forgiven yet because they hurt your feelings, it's not about your feelings. Can I get an amen? It's about God. It's about faith. All right. Then it says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Man, I love this. He's doing well, and Paul continues 
to pray for him. Point number two there is to encourage the faithful, to pray not only for those who are struggling, but for those who are doing well. Paul doesn't thank Philemon, by the way. Hey, thank you for doing well. You don't see that. Paul thanks God that Philemon's doing well. You know why? Because without God, we can't do well. Can I get an amen to that? So if God's doing anything good in us, he gets all the praise. If God is doing a mighty work in this fellowship, to God alone be all the glory. Amen? When we have the blessing of leading someone to the Lord, it's all about what the Lord's doing. We're just a tool in the hand of the master. Amen? When you go to the dentist, you don't praise the drill. You thank the dentist. Can I get an amen? And we're just the drills, guys. Amen? And so God gets all the praise. And he says, I thank my God. I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful because I see what God's doing in you. I'm thankful for what God's doing in the church in Colossae. God bless you guys. And I'm praying and I thank God for what God's doing in your fellowship. Keeps the focus where it belongs. It's on God, not man. You'll never hear me say my church. I don't do that. I know a lot of pastors do. My church, not my church, it's his church. Can I get an amen to that? I'm just a servant here. And so are all of you. Can I get an amen to that? We're, we're, the, we're the servants. Pastor means under rower. He's the guy at the bottom of the boat who serves everybody else. There's only one celebrity in Christianity and his name's Jesus Christ. And to him alone be all the praise and the glory and the honor. Can I get an amen to that? And it's tiring to see the focus being placed on men. And notice he doesn't do that. And again, Paul's a man of prayer. He says, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Have you ever told somebody you're going to pray for him and then you didn't do it? Anybody besides the pastor up front? Can I get an amen? Lying's a sin too. Get, a, get those hands up. So you know what I do most of the time? When people say, can you pray for me? Dear Heavenly Father. That's what I, I'm telling you. Because here's what happens. You pray and you pray. And you may intend to pray. And you may even write down that you're going to pray. And then you see them a week later. And you I didn't pray. And then you pray real quickly as you're walking toward them. <laughs> she could say, I've been praying for you, bro. It's been the last five seconds, but I've been praying for you. When Paul says he's praying for you, Paul meant it. And Paul was in prison, so not only did he have time to write letters, he had time to pray. And guys, we need to make sure we're not so busy we don't have time for the Lord. Can I get an amen? Because if you're too busy to have time with the Lord, you've got idols in your life that need to go. And notice how Paul prays again. He's got a long list. I, I wanted to do this. I'll do it at some point. I was going to go through the Bible and just write down how many people Paul says he's praying for. And we know that list is long that he mentions, and then we know it's way longer the people that aren't mentioned. Amen? How many people are you praying for? And do, do you just pray over your Wheaties in the morning? Is that your prayer life? Or do you actually spend time with the Lord? Guys, the great thing about Jesus died on the cross, the veil's been torn, we can enter into his presence anywhere at any time, and I pray when I have an hour and a half long drive to a sales call in Lancaster. I'll pray, I'll pray for 100 people on the way to a, to a sales call. Why? Because I have time. By the way, if you're driving, praying, keep your eyes open. Can I get an amen? But, but pray. But spend some time with the Lord, and we need to be people of prayer. So time in prison gave him a great deal of time to pray. And again, how can Paul still be effective in ministries? He's writing letters to them. He's praying for them. Guys, as long as we're breathing in and out, we can still be used for the kingdom of God. Amen? Anywhere and anytime. Verse 5. And it says, Our hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Well, what a powerful testimony for Philemon. 
Philemon, I hear of your love. That word again is agape. I hear of your selfless love, that you love and esteem others outside of yourself more than you love yourself. Boy, that's an awesome thing to be said about anybody. I thank God for your love, your love toward others. He says, and your faith. Now, faith, again, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not seeing and then believing. It's believing and then seeing. It's trusting God to do what the world would say is impossible. Amen? And so faith is, again, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in Christ. Amen? That word gets abused a lot. You just got to have faith. Faith in what? Amen? And a lot of people, it's just faith. And they don't even talk about Jesus. Guys, it's not faith in Buddha. It's not faith in your good works. It's not faith in your bank account. It's faith in Jesus Christ that matters. Amen? And we need to be people of faith. One of my assistant pastors who has prayed for him, his name's Joe. One of my former assistant pastors, he's got cancer. Unless God does something pretty radical, he's going to go to be with the Lord. But we, we, we know that God still can, and we're praying by faith. But one of the things he tells me, every time he talks to me, he goes, Pastor Dave, you know, when I think of you, what I think of is, is your faith. You have so much faith. And I'm like, really? I mean, but he says, you just do. You just trust God to show up. You just, and I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Cause he gets all the glory for that. Amen. So even if we have the gift of faith, where does that come from? It comes from God. Amen. So Paul's in prison, praying for his co-labors, blessed to hear the fruit in Philemon's life. Now notice he's not jealous of Philemon. He could have said, Hey, Philemon, I know you're living in a mansion, bro. And I know you got the church at your house. Must be great to have all those folks over loving on and hugging you. And you know what? And I know that God's using you mightily, but, and I'm sitting here in prison. So what's up with that? And that's how some Christians can get sometimes. We look at the physical blessings of others, and then we say, why won't God bless me like that? Can I encourage you? More stuff it doesn't equal blessing. More of Jesus equals blessing. More faith in Christ equals blessing. I don't want so much stuff that I continue to put all my faith in me or my bank account or something else. Lord, don't give me a dollar more than I can use in a faithful way. Amen? Keep us humble, broken, and desperate that we might be usable for the kingdom of God. And I just love, so I love Paul's example. He's, in, he's not complaining in prison. By the way, Christians should not be complainers. Amen? And I'm transparent, so you know this. I've already shared this with some of you, and some of you are new, so I'm going to bust myself again. In eighth grade, they had a hall of fame, you know, for like the middle school yearbook. And they called me down to get a no, and I thought, well, I'm either going to get, what, most humorous or best athlete, one of those two, I'm sure of it. I get down there, okay, biggest complainers, Dave Johnston and... So in my eighth grade yearbook, the biggest complainer, there's my picture. And I complained that I got picked biggest complainer. <laughs> And you know what? That was a gut check. I was, I was 13 years old. I hope, I, I hope I've grown up a little bit. Can I get an amen? But the reality is we can all complain if we're not careful. You know why we complain? We're focused on ourselves. If it's not about me. I got nothing to complain about. If I know I'm going to heaven, I have nothing to complain about. Amen. When people ask me very often, how are you doing? I always tell them the same thing. I'm going to heaven because that puts our focus where it needs to be. Amen. How many guys are going to heaven? Okay, so what in the world can the world do to you? The worst thing the world can do to me is send me where I want to be. Can I get an amen? It's a joy. There's a comfort. There's a peace that comes in that. And so he's exhorting his brother Philemon. He's thankful for him. He's praising God for him. And he's not jealous that his life seems to be easier. Don't look at other Christians. By the way, we all look at everybody else and think everybody else's family is perfect. Is that not true? 
Look at all these perfect people. They're all perfect. Our, our family's not as perfect as them. Guess what? They're not perfect either. Amen. We've all got struggles, don't we? Amen. None of us is perfect. Some of you got in a fight on the way to church this morning. Amen. And the reality is I'm glad you're here. We're all sinners saved by grace. And so we don't want to be envious of stuff that other people have. I have one guy, he would tell me this all the time. I just want God to let me win the lottery and see what it's like. Can I just try it for a while? Could God just let me try it for a while? I want to try to be that guy with the big house up on the hill for a while. I'm like, you know what, bro? I already know based on what you just said, that would be a disaster for you. Because you'd be so, much, so caught up in that, you'd get your eyes off of Jesus so fast, you wouldn't know what happened. So Philemon's love and faith about to be put to the test. So here's this great faith. And he has love toward all the saints. He loves the saints. Guess what? You're either a saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen? If you've been born again, you're a saint. Saint means set apart one. So you were justified when you got saved. You're being sanctified till the day you get glorified. So we're in that sanctification process and we are saints. So I'm Saint Dave, okay? Not because of what I've done, but because of who I belong to. Can I get an amen to that? And I'm being set apart unto him. So you're either a saint or an ain't, amen? You've been born again or you haven't. You're either a new creation in Christ or you're dead in your trespasses and sins. There's no, there's no you've got faith, you've got unbelief, there ain't no neutral ground as, as uh, Bob Dylan said, amen? Yeah, faith, unbelief, ain't no neutral ground, right? Amen, it's one or the other. Where are you at? You walking with the Lord or not? And so he's a man of faith. And he's a man who has a relationship with God. And he has a love toward all the saints, all those who are set apart. Do you love God's people? I'll tell you what, I love God's people. I love when I meet a Christian for the first time. I, I've, I, tell, I say this all the time. I'll be in line at Disneyland. I'll see a guy with a Christian t-shirt on. We start talking about Jesus. We're praying together before we get up to this, whatever ride we're going on. And, and then we're hugging each other and exchanging phone numbers. I'm closer to them than people I'm related to that don't know God. When you got Jesus in common, you got everything in common. Isn't that true? It's just a different, people just don't understand. I told you about the blue house that's up on the market. And the thing that people said when they go to my parents' house, I've never sensed such powerful love in my life as when I walk in that room. Why? Because when you got Jesus in common, when the Holy Spirit is there, and this is how Paul feels about Philemon. Man, I love this brother. Led him to the Lord. Co-labor in Christ. Got the church in his house. He loves people. Now let's see how well he's doing because he's about to tell him something that's going to make him go, okay, am I going to honor God right here? Or am I going to get angry? And this is what happens to all of us. Again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Verse 6 says that sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. The sharing of your faith becomes more effective. It becomes, the word there is literally more powerful. Remember that Peter was denied Christ and a teenage girl caused him to cuss and run away and hide when he said, she said, you're one of his followers. And he cussed and said, I don't know him. And then he met the eyes of Jesus who was coming out after being scourged. And Peter went away and wept bitterly. And that same Peter that was scared to death of a little girl around a fire, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up and preaches with boldness and 3,000 people get saved. And the word is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. And the word power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. And guys, that comes from Christ. Can I get an amen? And guys, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. You know the word enthusiasm, theos, in, it means filled with God. 
Enthusiasm filled with God. Amen. And as Christians, we should be enthusiastic about the kingdom of God. Amen. And we should walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we're unashamed of the gospel and we can walk in faithfulness and holiness to his name. And he said, sharing your faith is having an impact on the city, Philemon. The power in your life, the fact that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is having an impact on the world around you. And he's encouraging him your godly actions and your giving God all the glory for the godly actions is having an impact. Christ in you is seen in your love, in your faith, and in your godly actions. I shared this, I think last week or the week before. I was in India with another pastor where the, where the number of Christians at the time when I was going was one-tenth of one percent. And so, we're, so it's, one in, it's one in a thousand people. And we're sitting in the lobby and we're waiting to be checked into this hotel in India and I told him that gal at the counter loves G- that she's born again. He goes, bro, stop it. That's like winning the lottery around here. These people are all Hindu and Muslim. She, and I get up there, we start talking. And I knew, I said, you're a believer, aren't you? And she looked, how did you know? Saw Jesus in you. You know what, guys, when we have the Lord, it will become evident. Can I get an amen to that? It's going to be evident in the way that we live, the way we respond to things, the way that we act, the way we love people. It will be supernatural. We will be different. He's saying to him, you have a good witness. The world is watching and they see your good works and, and will be watching to see how you respond when things go sideways. So the world's watching. Everybody knows, the city knows Philemon. His son's the pastor. The church is in his house. He's a godly man. How's he gonna respond now when his faith is put to the test? And it says in verse seven, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Boy, this Philemon is solid. Can I get an amen? I mean, you love the saints. You're a godly man. The people that are refreshed by you. Aren't there people that when you spend even a few minutes with them, you get refreshed? Can I get an amen to that? Where you just, you hang out, you, you interact with each other, you pick up the phone, you talk to each other for 10 minutes, you're encouraged in your faith, and I long to hang out with people like that, amen? And we need those people that, were, that encourage us and refresh us and minister to us, and he's letting them know the world is watching, and we, they're blessed by what you've done and how you're refreshing them. And just as the Lord by his spirit is our source, our faith, love, and joy, comfort, and refresh others when the spirit of God pours out upon us on people around us. You know, the Bible, the Bible tells us the spirit's either in us, with us, if you're not saved, calm your conscience. You get saved, he goes from being with you to being in you. And you know what? He breathed the spirit in them in Luke, but then he said, go and wait and the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. Some people would disagree with me. They just don't read their Bible right. Can I get an amen to that? Here's the reality. He's with you, in you, and upon you. Because we know that the Spirit was with them when they, when they denied the Lord, but he came, it, the Spirit came upon them. And what happened? They preached with boldness. And as believers, we don't just want the Spirit with us. We're thankful that he's in us. But I pray every day to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And why do we pray every day? Because we leak. Can I get an Amen. We need to be filled again. My dad used to say, fill with the spirit, baptize in the spirit, whatever you want to call it, just get it. Can I get an amen? So it needs to be less of me, more of him. And that's how we're used mightily by the Lord. So point number two there, encourage the faithful. Man, would, would this letter be encouraging you so far if you got this from, from your pastor, the person that led you to the Lord? You'd be blessed. You'd be strengthened. You'd be encouraged. You'd be challenged, right? Now, here it comes. Intercede on behalf of the repentant. Now, he says in verse 8, 
Therefore, so in light of everything I just told you, in light of the fact that you're being used mightily by the Lord, that you're a mighty man of God, that you're walking in the spirit, that you're refreshing the saints, you're blessing the people around you, in light of everything I just said, now I'm going to exhort you to do something. Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, Paul could have said to him, I need you to do this. And you know what? I don't think there's any question Philemon would have done it. I need you to do this. And he would have done it. But the reality is, if we don't, if we do it out of command, if we do it out of, out of, uh, you know, fear, it's different than when we do it out of love. Amen. When we do something because we love somebody, not because if we don't do it, we're going to jail or if we don't do it, we're going to be in trouble. Those are two different things. I used to tell my youth group kids, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, if some of you didn't know it. And I love high schoolers, I always will, because it's such an important part of their life. But I would tell them, if you had a choice to have the most beautiful girl, most handsome guy on campus, be you know, shot with a drug that made him love you and follow you around and worship you, or somebody would get to know you, meet you, get to know you, spend time with you, fall in love with you, and choose to spend the rest of your life with you, which one of those would you want? And of course, we want someone to love us. And we need, when we, what we do for the Lord, is we do it out of love for him, again, not just because it's something we've been commanded. Though I might be very bold to command you, he could have commanded him. Love for God and his people is what he hoped. Again, you can't command or coerce love. You can't make somebody love God. You can't make somebody obey God. You can't make your children walk with God. Isn't that kind of scary? Right? I know no greater joy know my children walk in the truth, but at some point it goes from mom and dad's God to their own. God has no grandchildren. So they got to have their own faith. And there's times when you have to let God be in charge of that and let go and say, okay, Lord, I put my kids in your hands. And you have to do that. So Paul intercedes with Philemon and, and he's going to now, uh, he's going to intercede with him on Onesimus' behalf. It says there, yet for love's sakes, I rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, I'm going to appeal to you to do the right thing. I'm going to appeal to you to do the right thing. The first appeal was based on, if you got your notes there, his reputation. Philemon was known to be a man of God who ministered to the saints. But depending on how he responded to this, that reputation might take a hit. If you're known as somebody who loves God and loves people, and somebody sees you beating somebody up in a parking lot somewhere, I think your, your, uh, your testimony is going to take a hit. Amen? And so he's asking him, look, based on your love for people. And then his second exhortation is based on his love for the Lord and the things of God. So he's appealing to him. And then he says, and he tells him, you know, Paul, the aged, a man mature in faith, who's worthy of respect. He's also a prisoner of Christ. One whose price was obedient. If obedience is prison. And Philemon is to look at the price others are paying for simple obedience. Paul mentions this because he said, I obeyed God, I'm in prison. I'm about to ask you to obey God and it's not gonna cost you anything close to that. You know, to, to obey the father, Jesus went to the cross, amen? And for us to obey God, we don't have to pay as dear a price, do we? But we should obey God, amen? Look at verse 10. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. And Philemon goes, oh, okay, oh, okay. What's up with Onesimus? I've been trying to find that dude for a year. Where's he at? 
You got you to gotta lead on them. I'll send my guys out right now. You know what I mean? And so he's telling me, I love your love. You, you, Onesimus. Oh, and you know what? Some of you, there's a name when people mention it, you cringe. Maybe someone in your life, maybe someone you're related to, right? Somebody you've, you've not had a relationship with for a while and you hear their name and you just, you know, you get a, you get a little bent. And uh, you know what happens when you get to study this for 40 hours a week? I have a few names written down I need to make phone calls to. Can I get an amen? Because with conviction, we need to reach out to people. Look, don't let the enemy divide you. Amen? He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says Onesimus, and I, I just imagine as he's reading, his countenance changes a little bit. And again, it probably hit him with a vivid memory of him running away of him stealing from him when he left. And you may have, again, a few names that cause you to shudder a little bit or get angry. So Onesimus was such a name for Philemon. And so a third thing he's going to do is let him know that he's no longer a slave, but he's actually his brother in Christ. Look what he says, whom I have begotten while in my chains. So if he's looking from a physical perspective, he's mad at Onesimus and wants to know how he can get him back. If he's looking at it from a spiritual perspective, he's like, praise the Lord, Onesimus is saved. Can I get an amen to that? I always think of uh, Jonah, who hated the Ninevites so much that when they got saved, he was mad. <laughs> he's sitting under a tree. I don't want those people getting saved. I don't like those people. They should go to hell. I don't want them going to hell. You know, that's sad. That's tragic. Can I get an amen? Jonah's a prophet of God. He's under a tree, mad that people got saved. Boy, I hope you don't have anybody you dislike so much they're mad, you're mad when they get saved. Can I get amen to that? We should be thankful. You know, we, we should be praying for the, the worst of the worst that they'd come to know Christ. Amen? So the appeal of Nisimus is no longer just a slave. But now he's a brother in faith. So this rebellious, thieving scoundrel is now Brother. And to Philemon, both of them, by the way, both of them were led by the Lord, by the apostle Paul. The same guy led them both to the Lord. Is that wall going to come down? Is he going to cease to be angry? Is he going to focus on, now again, Onesimus still has consequences. And, and, you know, Philemon would have every right to have him come back and be a slave. But is he going to honor God in the way that he treats him? Or is he could have had him put to death? If he had, we'd show that he didn't really do grasp what it means to forgive somebody. Onesimus' new position in Christ did not take away the debt to his master. Uh, the sin was forgiven, but the consequences remain. Verse 11, who once was profitable to you, but now is profit, was unprofitable to you, excuse me, but now is profitable to you and to me. Yeah, when he was your slave, he wasn't the man he should have been. He didn't serve you the way that he should have, and he ran out of town, and he stole from you on the way out. But now he's a born-again believer. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's coming back to you, and now he's going to be a blessing to you where before he was not. What a powerful, powerful statement. The fourth appeal there is that all men have value in the eyes of the Lord, and certainly we see that Onesimus now has value. Verse 12, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. I'm sending him back. He's saved. He's forgiven. His sin still has consequences. He must go back and fix it. You know, when you give your life to the Lord, if there's area of your life that you need to go back and ask for forgiveness, you need to do that. Can I get an amen? We need to go back and say, look, this is an area where I have failed. And now that I have the Lord, I need to live different. 
Paul would have loved to have kept him around, but instead he sent him back to do the right thing. And he says, receive him. Basically, here's what Paul's saying. You have my heart in your hands. I love this man. I led him to the Lord. I'm sending him back. I pray that you receive him. It's my own heart. He's saying, I'm giving you my heart by giving you this man. And you know what? That's a great way to intercede on behalf of somebody. Can I get an amen to that? You've got my heart in your hands. It'd be pretty hard for Philemon to do anything but accept him in light of all that's being shared. Then it says there, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. You say, look, he's still your slave, but you could have him serve me and be a servant to you by doing that. But he still, again, sends him back. I wanted to have him here to minister to me on your behalf. But without your consent, verse 14, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be uh, compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. I don't want to just take him from you and then thank you for it. I want you to serve because, guys, serving God is a get-to, not a have-to. We don't want anybody in children's ministry that goes, oh, is it my week? You know, we don't want that. We don't want that. It's amazing how people get a cold on the week. No, no, we don't want that. We want people who have a passion to serve God. And guys, I want to tell you something. If you're not serving the Lord, you're missing out. Because the greatest way we grow is serving Jesus. Amen? And I want to tell you something. It's not that the people that love God the most serve the most. Sometimes it's the people that serve the most love God the most because they're spending more time with him. Can I get an amen to that? And, I, and I, my, I'm, we don't want you just to serve because we need stuff done. We want you to serve because that's how we grow spiritually. Without consent, I wanted you to do nothing. And the Lord's the same with us, to serve him, to worship him from a heart of love, not out of compulsion. Verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. The number five reason he's, as he intercedes on his behalf is the sovereignty of God. Isn't it a good, now look, He ran away, but the end result was he got saved. Now, that doesn't mean everybody should run away. Amen? I know people got saved because they hit a tree with a car going 80. I don't recommend that way. Can I get an amen? I know people that got saved because they got thrown in prison for 20 years. And I did prison ministry, and they got saved in prison. But here's the good news. The sovereignty of God will even use the wicked behavior of men often to bring about an opportunity for that person to come to know Christ. Amen? And so he's pointing back to the sovereignty of God. Yeah, he ran away from you. But do you know that God even used his rebellion to bring him to a place where he could hear the gospel and be born again? So praise God for that. Paul sees the sovereignty of God. You know, the sovereignty of God takes away all the worry, all the fear, all the anxiety. You've heard me say this. I pastored a church in Santa Cruz. got very large. God was using it. Mighty things were happening. Church was exploding. We were, we were in the process of getting a full power radio station. We had a Bible college, a school of ministry. I had a heart to start a high school. God was doing incredible stuff. People were getting saved by the dozens. Every, God was doing amazing work. And then I got sick. I was in the hospital for a year. Had all the trials we went through as a family. And sometimes people will say, do you ever look back and wonder? Maybe a little bit. I do. But here's the reality. God knew he wanted me here. Amen. And so the sovereignty of God takes away all the, all the what ifs that are in your past. God is faithful. God knows what he's doing. And I'm glad I'm here because I would have never met this, this family here that I love so much. I would rather be here than anywhere else on the planet because I love the Lord and I love you guys. Amen. This is my church family. I love you guys. That's why you get hugged from me because it's a family reunion every time you come to church. Amen. 
And so the sovereignty of God, it just brings peace to all circumstances. And that's exactly what he's saying here is look, yeah, he ran away, but guess what? He got saved because of it. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Oh, it says, perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. You might see him forever, not no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He's saying, look, bro, you should be blessed. You should be excited. You should be thankful to see what God has done. And now he left as a, as a scoundrel. He left as a thief. He left and stole away from you. And now he's coming back to you as a brother. That's good stuff. Amen. It's like the prodigal son coming home. Finally, be willing to pay the price. There's a typo on there. Be willing to pay the price to bring about restoration and forgiveness. It says, if you then count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Receive him as you would. The word partner there is koinonia. It means to have in common or in fellowship. And again, I know I've talked about it a lot because it's been on my heart of late, but I know that's how it felt when people would visit my parents' house. My parents treated everybody like Jesus just showed up at the house. They met you at the door. They kissed you on the face. They hugged you. They welcomed you in. They adopted you into the family. They would start cooking immediately. They'd start loving on you. And you know what? When we look at people the way that Christ does, it's going to change the way we treat them. Amen? They're not a nuisance. They're not getting in the way. They didn't come at the wrong time. It's an opportunity for ministry. You have koinonia fellowship. He says, receive him as you would receive me. I would say this, receive others as you would receive Christ into your house. Can I get an amen to that? Don't worship him though. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but we, we do worship the Lord. Then it says, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Who does that sound like? That's Jesus. If he has wronged you or done anything, put on my account. Let me pay for it. Do you know what? That's what Jesus says to the Father about every one of us. Because when we stand before the Father on Judgment Day, we're all wanting. We're all bankrupt. We've got a fine that we cannot pay. And Jesus is going to step forward. If you, you know, it's an analogy. But basically, Jesus is stepping forward and saying, I took care of that already. That fine's been paid in full. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Guys, that's better than win the lottery once a week. Amen. The fact that we're going to heaven, that we have the promise of eternal life and that Jesus Christ is interceding on your behalf, that he's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's a faithful God. He knows what you're going through. And our God is greater than anything we will ever face in this life. And he who knows me best, loves me most, that ought to blow us away. Can I get an amen to that? How to keep us in a place of joy and unspeakable because of who we are in Christ. Put it on my account. Man, it almost puts me, it makes me almost want to weep. Put it on my account. Thank you, Lord, that it's on your account and not mine. Amen. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Paul got something in there right there. <laughs> I'll repay whatever he owes you. I'll pay it. Don't worry about it. Don't charge him. Charge me. By the way, didn't I lead you to the Lord? That's basically what he's saying. Did I not, did I not lead you? Oh, I, I, just, just saying. You know, I spent some time with you. I discipled you. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> yes, brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. He's saying, look, restore him and that will bless me. Restore him and it will bring refreshment to me. It will bring joy to my heart. Do you know what? When you restore forgiveness with someone that you need to forgive, it blesses our Savior's heart. Can I get an amen to that? 
You refresh him when you have a heart of forgiveness, when you don't allow the enemy to bring division between you and others. Let's finish up. Verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul, Paul is saying, look, bro, I know you're going to do even more. I, I know your character. I trust your character. I'm really close with, with several people. Uh, Rob McCoy is one of my best friends. I've known him. We were, high school, we were youth pastors together. And every once in a while, someone will say something to me that they say that Rob said or vice versa. And, and we'll always pick up the phone and I'll call Rob and, I'll, and we'll always say the same thing. Man, I trust your love. I know better. I know how you feel about me. You know how I feel about you. I'm not going to let that work. Can I get an amen to that? I trust your love. I trust your character. People can say that people say things and I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's the enemy trying to bring division. Amen. Let's trust each other's love. I trust your love. Philemon, I know you're going to do more than I thought you would do. I know you're going to be a blessing. Have any confidence in your obedience. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Hey, by the way, I'll be coming there soon to see what happened. just saying, right? I know you'll do more, but by the way, prepare a room for me because I'll be there soon at some point. God's going to let me out. I'm coming by, bro. I want to see how you're doing. Guess what? Jesus is coming back. Amen. And we need to live every day in light of the fact that we could be in heaven in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Amen. He's coming back for the church. He's going to rapture us and take us home. Then he does greetings here at the end. He says, and I love this. I love how he names people by name because he cares about the individual. And he says, there are Epaphras, that's Philemon's pastor, the one who had been there before. My fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you. So Epaphras, who was the pastor, Philemon's pastor, after Paul led him to the Lord before his son became the pastor, he too is also in jail. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Now, what's interesting when you read this list, you know, first of all, John Mark, you got to love how Paul in the beginning had a problem with Mark. If you guys remember this, they went on a missionary journey and Mark quit and went home. And then we're going to go on another missionary journey and he said, I'm not taking that whiner. You're not going. I'm not taking him. He's a whiner and a quitter and I'm not taking him. And Barnabas, son of encouragement, came alongside and took John Mark with him. And Paul took Timothy with him. So here's what happened. Ministry doubled. But I love it that at the end of his life, later on in his life, Paul speaks of Mark in glowing terms because he too forgave. Can I get an amen? Because he had a problem with John Mark. And you'll see that throughout the Bible, when he's talking about people and greets them, he speaks highly of Mark. Sadly, on here is a guy by the name of Demas. He's mentioned in Colossians, which is written after this. He's mentioned favorably, or favorably here, but in Timothy, it says that Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He's in two letters where he's talked about in glowing terms, and then in the last letter he's mentioned, he had walked away from the Lord. Guys, we need to finish strong. Amen? It's not just how we live in the temporary, but true faith is seen in that it's lived out uh, for a lifetime. And then finally, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. You know, the book's called Philemon, and Philemon doesn't say a word in it. Because <laughs> it's written to Philemon. And it's exhorting Philemon to forgive. He, he encourages Philemon in the beginning about what a godly man he is. And then he talks about how his heart is warmed by him and what a blessing he is to the whole church. And then he's going to exhort him to forgive a man who may have been the man on the planet he was the most uh, stumbled by, having the most difficulty with. Guys, that's an exhortation for all of us. Charge that to my account. 
Receive him as you would receive me. The Lord did that for us, but we need to do the same when we, when we forgive others. So Paul shows us the need of intercession on behalf of those who have done wrong. Paul had experienced this uh, again as Barnabas had done it for him. He had prayed for him. And now he's praying and interceding on behalf of somebody else who needs it. Philemon teaches us the importance of forgiveness when the person is hard to forgive. And Onesimus is the one who need, in need of forgiveness goes back to make things right. And that's repentance. See, repentance is when you go back and make things right. If there's people you've wronged, go back and make things right. And even if they're an unbeliever, go back and make things right because that's an opportunity for the gospel. Can I get an amen? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are indeed a great and awesome God. I pray for all of us. Give us a greater heart of forgiveness. Lord, bring to mind those that we need to ask for forgiveness or those who've tried to get forgiveness from us. May we reach out to them and forgive them. Lord, we're to forgive others as you forgive us and that's infinite. Lord, I pray also that each of us would be sensitive to the leading and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. Lord, that we would live in such a way that if a letter was written to us, it would say that we refresh others. May we refresh others. May we encourage others. May we minister to others. May we seek first your kingdom and your glory. May we represent you well. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. We pray and all God's people said,